welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is a podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. This week's Motorsport Coaching Podcast, powered by Motivate Training, is a bit of fun. We catch up with Edwin Smith from The Social Sandwich. G'day, it's Matt Payne here with you once again. Edwin's been at the forefront of social media for around a decade now, which actually started in motorsport when he was at Channel 10. He's got some great stories, tips and tricks from the ever-changing face of social media and gives us an insight as to what it was like racing zebras and hippos to work when he was the social media producer on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here in the South African Jungle. He's also giving an exclusive offer to motorsport coaching listeners, more on that later and in the show notes. In the meantime, we've got plenty happening at Team Motivate, including our new website, which has launched at motiv.com.au. Motivate's online training courses are available all through there. Rather than starting your engine this week, load up your sandwich with your favourite fillings, kick back and enjoy my catch-up with Edwin Smith from The Social Sandwich. I'm Dr. Chris Brown. And I'm the teen sensation, Julia Morris. And I'm Julia Morris's autobiographer, Julia Morris. Overly handy yoga instructor. Ah, lady in the streets, freak in the tweeds. Victoria Beckham's replacement, itchy spy. Primetime mime. And I'm bird woman, Julia Morris. And I... And welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast this week. Edwin Smith from The Social Sandwich. How are you, mate? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good. How are you? Yeah, good, good. It's been a while since we've caught up. I think we uh, caught up some years ago back uh, in your days at uh, the 10 Network. Uh, you've gone on now to open up your own agency called uh, The Social Sandwich. Um, this month, we are focused on social media here at uh, Motivate Training. So thought it'd be a great opportunity to uh, to get in um, get you on, Edwin, have a look at your background and also pass on some tips and tricks to our listeners and um, subscribers to the Motivate Training pages. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me and for reaching out. Yeah, like you said, I I think we, we the last time we chatted was probably a couple of years ago when, you know, back when I was at, at Channel 10 potentially. But, um, yeah, like you said, I've kind of, you know, spent quite a few years working in, for, for TV networks, so for Channel 10 and, and then for, for ITV Studios or Channel 9 was the the other one. And, uh, yeah, more recently now just working for myself as, I guess, a social media consultant, um, just trying to help people just get more out of out of social media because I've I've got a lot of knowledge to give and I like to like to talk about it, like to help people and to do a bit of, you know, training, upskilling. And, yeah, that's, hopefully there's I can offer us a few useful tips today and practical tips as well that you can kind of use um, straight away. I don't like to, you know, fluff around or beat around the bush. I like to just be direct and here's what you can do today to get better. Um, and that's kind of my approach to, to social media. Good stuff. That's exactly what we like to hear. To give a bit of your background, you do have an understanding of motorsport from your time at Channel 10. Obviously, it was heavily involved for many years through uh, the Supercars Championship, Formula One and MotoGP. Uh, so you you were working as part of the 10 Motorsport team in leveraging uh, that through social media, correct? Yeah, and no, I actually, um, the when I first started at Channel 10, there was... Um, they had one 
kind of Facebook and Instagram page, which was 10 Sport. And I was actually the one that started 10 Motorsport, which is their, you know, their big Instagram, Facebook, Twitter pages now. So um, I kind of helped realize that there was an audience for Motorsport because the 10 Sport umbrella kind of had covered, you know, cricket, rugby union, all the motorsport we had at the time, which I think was F1 and, and MotoGP and the supercars back in the day. Um, I kind of see there was there was an appetite for more more than just a page that talked about sport. It was like, let's talk directly about motorsport. Um, we also had the Sunday afternoon, like the RPM show, um, you know, that had, had Larco on there for, for quite a few years. And, you know, he used to do his, you know, his motorsport segments. And, yeah, so I kind of was the, the instigator in splitting up those pages and then just leading the, the strategy for both the 10 sport and the 10 motorsport for, for a number of years. Um, probably the biggest thing that I did in terms of um, like, I guess what's interesting for, for people was, um, you know, pretty early on when I first got to channel 10, I realized that there was this real opportunity for, for social media and, and the motorsport um, broadcast in actually being on the ground. And when, when I first got the, the, the coverage for, for sport and for supercars especially was, someone sitting in the office in Sydney and just putting out videos from the race um, and photos from what happened and those kind of, you know, the real traditional live updates. But um, pretty quickly I was, you know, I got involved and was like, look, if you want to take this seriously, we need to have someone on the ground kind of giving a bit more behind the scenes information, doing some, um, you know, we did a lot of Facebook live videos with with our host, so with, with Maddie White and whoever was kind of, um, you know, on the grounds and, you know, that basically meant that, um, you know, for, for a couple of years I was um, heading out to the, you know, the five or six events that Channel 10 would have. So obviously they only they only had a handful of those kind of like big uh, supercar events, but I'd be going there as just the, the sole social media producer, kind of following around people with a, a phone and a microphone and, and asking them to do things for me. And, uh, yeah, we, I remember we did a lot of the Facebook Live when that kind of, was first exploded onto the scene and so um remember we did a, a like a broadcast quality facebook live um in the pit lane from bathurst which you know was pretty unreal um i think we had um mark howard or howie and grant denyer hosting that which was um pretty unreal and they just kind of walked down the you know pit lane um i think it was maybe a couple of hours before um the race started, but yeah, I was kind of helping produce that and make sure that they, you know, just went in and talked to some people and it was all live and crazy and in the moment, but it was all part of this bigger idea of, you know, offering a bit more value to the audience because, you know, people are watching the the broadcast, they've seen the race, they've seen what happens, but if you can offer a bit more, then it um, helps kind of bring people into that broadcast a bit more. So that was, yeah. you know, what I was all about. Yeah, 100%. You said it was wild and crazy, especially with, uh, with Howie and Grant Denyer let loose, that would epitomise wild and crazy, I'd imagine. Um, it really was, and they there was so much. I wish I, I don't even know if that broadcast still exists. It's probably on the, the Facebook page somewhere, but you know because they were really well known as well, and and because we were live, so they were just kind of walking down. They you know they'd be like, oh, there's Craig Lowndes, quick get over here, and then Lowndes would kind of jump in and go, hey boys, how are you? And like it was really kind of rough, and the plan was okay, we're going to walk from one end of the um the pits to the other and just if people stop we want to talk to them if fans come up and yell or, or do whatever let's just roll with it and that was that was as much as the planning was but like i said it was it was loose it was fun um and it was really engaging too we had so many people just tuning in and watching and um it was 
you know, the whole goal was just to let people know as well that the race was, um, I think it might have been actually on the Saturday before um, the shootout maybe, and the goal was, right, we just want people to know. And so we kind of gave them something to do, which was watching this broadcast before the shootout. By the time it finished, the shootout had started and um, or was about to start. And so that actually led to more people watching the broadcast on, on TV, which was a big goal, which was get people to the, you know, to watch the broadcast on, on TV. But we did it in a, a really fun way. Mate, we just dropped out then. So um, so the back end of that sort of dropped out. But anyway. Um, Sorry, my yeah. insert. I am I'm bloody in a big apartment complex and I think everyone is working from home. And so every now and then my insert just... Uh, um, yeah, it goes to... Actually, um, I'll just move down um, closer to the internet because I don't need my nice backdrop. Yeah, cool. Oh. Yeah, I need someone to sit next to the bloody Wi-Fi. Otherwise, it's <laughs> not ideal when I spend my whole day um, doing Zoom. Calls. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll just pick up from there. So to paint the picture of this time, you speak about doing these Facebook Lives. We're talking almost 10 years ago, so it was very early on in the development of the Facebook Live process um, and utilisation of social media in those sort of ways. So it was quite revolutionary, certainly in the Australian market at that point, would you say? Yeah, definitely. And um, it was something, yeah, that we jumped on pretty early. Um, you know, like you said, it was you know maybe not quite 10 years ago, but it was probably definitely maybe four or five years ago when they they just launched this, this idea of, hey, it's live streaming is going to be a big part of Facebook. And, and what happens is with, with Facebook, with Instagram, when they launch a new feature, um, it's worth keeping an eye on what they're actually doing in terms of new features because what they do is they prioritize those features. So they give it a bump in the, the feed to make sure more people see them, which makes sense because they want those features to succeed. And what I realized pretty quickly was when we did a Facebook Live, no matter who what the page was for, there was a huge amount of people that would see it because you know Facebook was almost forcing Facebook Lives down people's throats. So we're just getting these massive numbers on, you know, like kind of record-breaking numbers on any live video we did across, you know, not even just motorsport. It was um, across all our, our social media channels. Like I remember we worked out a way to kind of to hack the system and going a little bit off topic here. But um, we one of my other jobs, like my early jobs, was um, I was running the, the Channel 11 page, which is what 10 Peach was called. So I was like an early, one of the early like multi-channels for Channel 10 and, and they had the Simpsons on every night. And so we had the rights to the Simpsons. And what we did was we did a live stream of like famous Simpsons moments just looped. So, you know, like Lisa needs braces for that 20-second grab. And we just looped it for, I think we streamed it for about an hour and a half. And so people would tune in just be like, just watching this video of, you know, dental plan, Lisa needs braces. And people were there watching it. They're like, why am I watching this? What? And then all of a sudden, all these people would be like, this is the worst, but best thing I've ever seen. And I, I think we had something crazy, like half a million views on it or something. And it was just because of how much it was being prioritized in the feed and just the, the success we saw was just was nuts. And, you know, something that I still talk about today is when there's those new features of each platform of trying to jump on them pretty early. And one of those, you know, right now is Instagram Reels, like they're, they're the biggest thing on, on Instagram right now um, in terms of 
the kind of organic reach and the eyeballs that you can get on your content just by using that that feature because you know it's maybe what six months maybe a little bit older um but because it's such a new feature instagram wants reels to work they want to compete with tiktok so it becomes a really smart thing to do to kind of jump on those those new trends and use them as a brand or as an individual to to kind of capitalize on what they want to work yeah that's a really good tip there so guys keep um keep an eye out on what new features are coming to all of your uh social media channels and um just be across it and have a look at it and um then jump on board because that's how you are going to amplify your following so after getting on board with motorsport um and so on and really getting your feet under the desk at uh, the 10 network you went on to do some really really cool stuff like um i think at one stage you're over in the jungle with um i'm a celebrity yeah um i think i kind of you know off the back of um building up my you know reputation of knowing what i was doing i guess um yeah i i was lucky enough to um yeah to be the kind of the social media producer for for i'm a celebrity get me out of here in africa so i ended up going to africa three years in a row and spending between like eight and ten weeks literally in the middle of the jungle um getting up at 3 a.m in the morning to to make content for a the that tv show that was on um to kind of match up with the time zones and you know working kind of 14 hour days but you know having and being lucky enough kind of every morning i would have time with with dr chris and and julia morris to to basically stick a phone in there in front of their faces and say do something funny so i can put this on our <laughs> on our social media um but like i i look back on those times as definitely the kind of you know the highlight of my career because it was, you know, that a really tight knit team. You know, you're passing zebras on the way to work, and um, you know, people were seeing hippos when they're walking home from work, and like all oh, this just like insane stuff. But uh, you know, working on a really cool, fun show like that as well. Like, I think, you know, one of the things that I am um, just so big on is that social media. Really, when you strip it right back, it should be entertaining and it should be fun. And I think that that show really epitomizes what, you know, whether you love it or you don't like it, but um, it's a fun show. It's, it's lighthearted. You hopefully have a laugh when you're watching and we tried to reflect that on, on our socials as well. And, you know, just tried to have a bit of, a bit of fun with it. And, you know, we did a, a lot of, a lot of things that I don't think would really get, you get away with anymore with, um, you know, especially the way that kind of social media is structured now. But I remember back in the, uh, back in the day, like, um, I think it was maybe my the second year I was there. We, you know, there was all these kind of conspiracy theories that the show wasn't actually filmed in Africa, and you know, we were in the Blue Mountains in Sydney, and we weren't actually in Africa. And so we'd be sitting there at you know forty degree heat at lunchtime, um, while people were like you're not even in Africa, and I was like, mate, I can see a zebra across the road. Like I'm telling you, we're in Africa. <laughs> um, but we, <coughs> I remember sitting there one lunchtime, and this was probably ten o'clock Sydney time like after the show had finished filming and, you know, just exhausted, delirious, tired. And I was like, wouldn't it be funny if we just put the location on Instagram? So like our geo location as Katoomba Blue Mountains and then just see if like, see if anyone notices that our location was set as, yeah, as the Blue Mountains. And, and I kind of did that and, you know, it didn't really, I was lucky enough that I had a bit of freedom, like a bit of creative freedom from the bosses. I didn't have to, you know, get approvals or anything for it. So I was like, I was like, I'm just going to give this a go and see, see how it goes. And, and then, you know, that's the comments started rolling in. Oh no, they're stuffed up. They've accidentally left their location on. And, 
that's proof now that they're in the jungle and, you know, kind of, you know, went home and woke up the next morning and there was Daily Mail articles, news.com articles, like revealed that is the show not actually filmed in Africa and uh, I still remember just, you know, everyone was just had a big laugh about that because of how just absurd it was and how how kind of funny it was. And I think it just goes back to that idea that, you know, for me, I, I always try and have fun and and make it social media kind of interesting and for, interesting for people to to follow along and to to just have a good time because if you're if you're boring on on your on your pages and you're not showing a bit of personality, um, just no one's going to really care about what you're doing. And I think that's probably another good lesson for you know the people out there listening, just to that idea of of showing a bit of personality and and having a bit of fun is just such a good way of approaching social media. I think. In the jungle, did you get to interact with the camp that much, or was that completely off limits from your perspective? No, we not once they go in, they're they're very much off limits. But we were kind of um, the we would see them before they go in, so that the celebs we would do um, like we'd usually get say half an hour before they went into the jungle to film a little video where we could kind of tease who was going in or or something, and then once they were eliminated like basically the social media team were the first people apart from the you know the um the doctors and the the big bosses to kind of see the the celebs because we would actually get them and film them eating their first meal so obviously they've been eating rice and beans for for two or three weeks they're just starving so we would they put in before they go into the show like a a request for what meal they want and we would basically give them that meal so like i want a big burger and then we would have a camera there to kind of watch them just stuff down this this burger. And, um, again, that was just a kind of an extra bit of content that we thought of, which, um, you know, was was always fun and, and interesting. And the the celebrities were always just so happy to, to talk to other people because, you know, they talked to the same 10 people for, you know, however long it is, a month or, or something, and, and then also to get their hands on some kind of food. Um, so that was always quite, quite cool to, you know, met a lot of um, definitely interesting um interesting people along the way and um you know most of those the celebs on the show yeah i got to meet and you know at least hang out with for for a bit so got a few kind of you know nice selfies with some pretty famous people along the way i think the the thing is with that um with that group of people you've got such an eclectic group with so many various backgrounds that come uh into that were you able to learn any tips and tricks from some of those guys and having the opportunity to interact with them and seeing their different backgrounds? Look, there, there definitely was. And, yeah, it, it really was. A, a, every year there was, it was such a diverse group and there were so many different types of people. You know, it was comedians, sports stars, um, like chefs, athletes, like so many different people. And, look, I'm trying to think if there was anything in particular. One thing that I always think about is it was actually with Julia Morris. And and so she, you know, for me, I think she's one of the funniest female comedians in the country and just is even funnier when she's unfiltered. So, you know, when you she's mm. not on a, a PG time slot. Um, yeah. So I, I ended up spending a lot of time with her because kind of every morning I'd spend, you know, five or ten minutes just chatting and trying to get some content out of her. Um, but I remember she, she always used to say, um, just, she used to talk about how kind of much she thought about her, her brand online. And that was something that she kind of struggled with, with me because she'd spent a career making sure that everything that was put out of her, every show she went on, 
um, was the funniest it could be. So people knew that she was funny. And so I think I, I learned a lot about the, you know, branding yourself and making sure that when you were posting something, when I was posting something with her, that it, it had to be kind of top quality. It couldn't just be, you know, we sometimes we would we would film a, a joke or a little skit, say, that went for 20 seconds just to put on like an Instagram story or to put on Facebook or something. And then if it wasn't good enough, she would kind of say, oh, that wasn't very funny. Can we not use that? And kind of mm-hmm. being, I guess, selective around what types of content you, you put out because, you know, social media is that, that is what people see of, of you and, and you want to kind of present a, an image that is is who you are and and shows the kind of the best you. So um, I guess being being selective and being almost picky with with content and and not just posting stuff for the sake of it um, was a really good lesson that I learned from from her. Is which yeah, but it just turn it on. Like if you you'd just be having a chat like we are now and then suddenly you put a camera in front of her and go, right, go. Would she turn on or was she she build up to build up? No, that? Or was that just natural? She it was almost like she had to turn down a little bit because when we oh. were just chatting to her, she was just she was just like a bundle of joy and um and just so up and about and positive and you know <laughs> I guess she's swearing a lot and and really quite like crass at times, which like I just found her her hilarious and you know when especially when you consider the time that I spent with her was usually around seven o'clock in the morning. So it was while she was kind of getting her makeup done, she was getting dressed ready to go from the show. So the show will start filming at about nine thirty Africa time. So the time that I spent with her, she was, you know, still kind of, you know, we're both still kind of waking up, but she was still so, um, yeah, so on. And it was almost like trying to strip back a little bit and, and, Trying to cage the line, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we did so many just, yeah, funny kind of just 10-second bits or, or skits. And even um, like I always tell people that, um, you know, like Julie Morris on that show and just in general I think people, she gets all the credit as being the funny one. But I actually think Dr. Chris is a really funny guy as well. And, you know, he I think because, you know, he's quite a good-looking guy people forget that he's actually quite funny and I always found that he was really funny and really open for my kind of weird ideas and and because of the way um the way that it worked often you know Julia was getting her dress ready getting makeup and everything so often I'd get more time with Chris because he was like you know chuck a shirt on and some pants and he'd be ready to go for the show um often it would be I'd do just content with him but you know I film things where um, you know, he compared himself to the, you know, the the face of Bond's, uh, like Bond singlets, you know, that's the, the, the kind of cartoon yeah, with, yeah, yeah. with a big chin. And, and so we, he literally like held up a, a photo of that and was like, I don't see it. And, you know, was pretending like he couldn't see this, the resemblance when he actually looks a lot like that. And like he was such a good sport and would just be, you know, would do anything. Like I, remember I made him do some push-ups one morning and kind of did the um, – you know, what is it? The it was a dodgeball, you know, he goes in, he's like a thousand and one, a thousand and two, and like, you know, pretend like he'd just been doing push ups all morning. And so he was like really funny and open to, um, to kind of content ideas as well. I think the point that you make there about authenticism and then building a brand, I think it's about um, what I say to guys all the time is that um, when you've got a helmet on, people don't necessarily know much about you uh, behind the helmet. So 
I think that being able to display your interests on your social media outside of racing is a very key thing, but also that authenticism that you talk about as well in terms of these are the key pillars of what my story is. Stick to those and then base everything around the pillars of your story. And obviously that advances as time goes on. You change age, you change experiences, you uh, might change categories when it comes to racing and so on. But it's important to have a baseline um, of what you talk about on your social media, but or probably two or three baselines, I guess. Yeah, I always say that, you know, pick a few topics that um, you are going to talk about because you. I think it's you don't want to try and just talk about everything and everything you do in your life because that can get a bit too much and probably can be a bit boring. But, you know, if you're passionate about things outside of motorsport, you know, you go surfing on the weekends or you go see live music when you can um, or, you you know, you love cooking food or something, it's, it's definitely worth kind of highlighting those things on your, on your socials. And, and I think definitely going back to that point that you made around you know, I think even if it is just showing that your personality and I think with social media, it's kind of like when you're talking to the the media, right? And it's that kind of sports cliche when someone, when the footy players finish their match, they they say the same things. They go, oh, you know, the boys gave 100% for, for the team and just dug in and we're just taking it one game at a time and, and whatever. I think sometimes that translates to, to social media where when you're writing a, a caption for a post, you people try and write it really seriously and and straight to the point and and it's, it ends up being quite boring but I think if you can kind of use that as a way of showing your personality who you are like are you if you're talking to someone just at the park or at the pub or in real life you know show that personality online and probably a really like the best example I can think of is is Dave Reynolds right like he is mm. is that kind of larrikin funny um takes the piss, not afraid to, to have a laugh at himself or at others and is just like authentically himself online. And you can tell when you see his his Instagram posts or his comments or, or whatever he does, like it's always like you can tell that's that's who he is. And I think that's why, you know, people kind of love him because he, he just, he's... Well, it, he's it, it is, it is authentic because that's exactly who he is. And probably yeah. a little bit like Julia Morris, he probably tones himself down a little bit. Um, compared yeah. to what he is like, because like you know, having seen Dave in action, yes, uh, that's but that's exactly what he's like, and he is that authentic sort of guy. There's no, um, you know, there's no sugarcoating what he is. Like he just doesn't care, and well, he does care. When I say he doesn't care, it it's just like he uh, he puts it out there. And I mean, with motorsport, obviously, there's a lot of guys that's very sponsor driven. So therefore, you're going to have um, influences from sponsors and so forth. Um, and that's the case too with uh, your reality TV side of things. Um, there are show sponsors which you would have come across. You would have had um, some, uh, well, from the marketing and PR departments, I'm sure, um, ways in which you've got to try and integrate that, which I think reality TV shows tend to do it extremely well with their sponsorships. What are some of the ways that you are able to um, <clears throat> to authentically integrate uh, the show partners into your postings and so forth? I think probably the, the big thing with that is it was always about trying to make it feel natural and try and make it n still fit with the the tone of the, the the show and and how we kind of portrayed ourselves online. And um, I think a lot of influencers and like I kind of hate the word influencers, but 
But I think a, a big thing, a big issue that I'm, I think influencers have is you can tell instantly when they're doing a, a sponsored post because some marketing person has wrote a, you know, here's what you have to say about our HelloFresh box that you're promoting. And you can kind of tell straight away as a fan or as a, as a user, oh, this is a sponsored post. I'm not, I'm not reading this. And you kind of switch off. But I think the most important thing is going back to that authenticity. It's if you, if you are doing and, you know, when you're working with a sponsor, it's, it's still keeping your tone, the way that you would talk about a product and speaking like you, you normally would rather than going down the kind of, you know, I really, really enjoy my HelloFresh box because I enjoy eating healthy. Like, you know, you could see someone like Dave Reynolds, right? If, if he was doing a, let's say, yeah, a sponsored post for HelloFresh, um, you could see that he could kind of be really playful with that. And you, I'd want to see that from a brand's point of view of him kind of, you know, maybe he's taking the piss a little bit or having a bit of fun with the way that he's promoting it rather than here's the, the scripted marketing speak that we want you to use. So like anytime that we, yeah, had a kind of a, a commercial agreement, we, we always tried to make sure that it, it still fitted with our, with our brand and our, the way that we would talk usually. G'day to the team at HelloFresh, slot into our yeah. DMs. We are looking for sponsors. If you want to send me a box uh, at the social sandwich, give me a follow. Yes. Um, I'll do anything. Whatever you want me to say, yes. I'll say. <laughs> but, uh, like, it's it's a good point. Like, I see, you know, there's a lot of guys, especially younger guys coming through go-karts and so on, that if they've got a sponsor on board every two weeks, they're just putting a logo up at their sponsor and say, go do this. Well, to me, that doesn't actually, that's not actually delivering any value to the sponsor because I tune out. I want to see something, you know, let's do something a little bit creative with the sponsor. How can we show you um, their product in in use, in a usage situation for your everyday life? I think that that's, um, that's realistically a way that you can deliver value to a sponsor by, uh, by jumping out the box, but again, keeping it back to your brand. Yeah, 100%. And and I think as well, it's, you know, it's, it is easy and really tempting. I think if, you know, if a brand approaches you and says, this is what we want you to do, we'll give you money for it. It's easy to be like, well, I need money. I need to do this. Um, but I think sometimes it's, it's also worth picking and aligning brands that you actually believe in. Um, and, you know, that's why I choose HelloFresh for all of my <laughs> weekly living. <laughs> but you know, if, if, if you don't believe in the product and you're just, you're just posting about it to try and, make some money to sell something um it's pretty obvious and and it also it's really bad practice to to post content that is just directly trying to to sell something because you're not going to get engagements on that post and that actually negatively impacts the way that your profile is viewed by by instagram and by facebook because no one's gonna like and comment on a really yeah a logo of of a business that um someone's posted and said go to this website to buy this product you're just not going to get the engagements and that actually hurts your profile because you know, Facebook and Instagram are going to recognize, hey, that post was a bit of a dud. So next time we're just going to not show that that person's post to as many people as what maybe we usually would. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a matter of planning too. So um, rather than just going straight out with, oh, hey, here's a post on something that's happened like today, uh, think about what you're going to post, plan it, maybe take a photograph or do a video out and about, um, get a month-to-month plan going for your social media platforms and um, can you also speak on like the different sort of platforms? I mean, every you've got obviously Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, da 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 da. They all speak in different ways to different audiences. So, 
I think there is a degree of importance in making sure that your um, the way that you go about your posts are completely different for the platforms. Yeah, definitely. And before I quickly before I jump into the platforms, I wanted to mention just um, that an ex bachelor, Matty J, does a really good job at sponsored posts. So he, um, I think he was on the Bachelorette, and then he was the Bachelor one season, but. He's just like a funny guy, but he does a lot of kind of endorsements. But the way that he frames things is he'll do a little video and it's just funny content and it's kind of linked in with with a brand. So for a bit of inspiration, um, I think it's Maddie, Maddie J or Maddie, Maddie Johnson or, or something. He's on, he's got like 300,000 followers, so it should be pretty easy to follow. So he's worth looking at as like the gold standard for sponsored content, I reckon. Um, but in terms, of, in terms of platforms, I think, yeah, it's definitely a widespread these days. Um, so obviously you've got kind of, you know, Facebook, which is the the old stayer. It's been around forever. Um, there's around 80% of Australians use Facebook. Um, it's still the biggest platform. Um, I've, I'm finding that Facebook is harder than ever to actually get in front of people in terms of, of content because there's just so much on there. There's, you know, you've got um, your Facebook profiles, you've got pages, you've got groups, you've got events, birthdays sponsored posts, marketplace, like there's just so much stuff. So I'm finding for a lot of clients that I work with, a lot of businesses, um, that it it's at the moment, while it's got a huge audience, it's actually the, one of the hardest places to actually have your posts seen by people because it's there's so much stuff on there and also the way the kind of the machine and the Facebook algorithm works these days. So um, I'm trying not to like, I guess, Hitch my wagon to Facebook because I feel like it's it's kind of on the on the decline and and even um, with you know if anyone listening to this is is under the age of, of twenty five or under the age of twenty, a lot of people that age are actually not even getting Facebook, so they're kind of jumping straight into the TikTok world and and not and kind of bypassing Facebook. And so I think if that trend continues, you'll kind of see over the next five to ten years Facebook become less important is my kind of prediction than those like you know tiktok becoming more important which i think tiktok over the last you know years kind of solidified its itself as being like the real deal i think a lot of people thought maybe it'd be a bit of a fad people would kind of get over it but you know it's been around for you know a couple of years now and isn't slowing down in terms of, of people using it um it's it's fun it really ticks that you know engaging fun content box which um I think is really important. So um, I definitely think TikTok is, you know, is worth looking at. Um, it's obviously a bit more of an investment and takes a bit more time because um, you're, you know, you're having to make videos and videos takes longer than just taking a photo. Um, but I think it's definitely worth having a look at. And especially if you're, you know, that kind of younger crowd and, and you're trying to appeal to a younger audience, um, TikTok's great for that. Um, my MVP at the moment is probably still Instagram. Um, I think it's it's that good sweet spot between Facebook and TikTok in a way that it's it's got a lot of people there. Um, it hasn't quite been ruined by the the algorithm like Facebook has. Um, there's a lot of like there is a lot of features these days. So you know you do have your your feed posts, you've got your stories, you've got Reels now, which um, you know I think Reels are really important for for people to be using in, the, in a similar vein to, to TikTok. Um, but I think definitely Instagram is is a great place just to kind of hit a wide audience because it does cover that younger and slightly older demographic. I think with Instagram too in Australia, um, we're only just starting to scratch the surface um, with a lot of that, particularly from a commercial 
perspective, like um, I, I look back to a couple of programs that I was running out of the US about five or six years ago, um, and like it was heavily uh, weighted in the US towards being able to purchase uh, from a call to action on Instagram, which I think that in Australia we're still getting our heads around that to a degree. Yeah, definitely. And I think we're always, you know, in social media terms, a, a, a year behind what what America is doing. So you can always kind of look at America as as industry leaders in a lot of a lot of cases in terms of what they're doing, how brands are acting, what they're doing on on social media, and that kind of will eventually find out find its way down to us here in in Australia. But um, yeah, it's that's definitely yeah, it's a good point. What are some of the current trends that you're seeing in social media at the moment? Obviously, you've just touched on. Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, like what are, what's the industry seeing at the moment in general? Look, I think a big one is probably, and it's, it's not, they're not, not, it's not exactly new, but I think video is, is still really important for, for all the platforms. And, and even, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the, the um, head of Instagram came out and said that in the back end of this year, Instagram will be focusing more heavily on, on video because, it's becoming a bigger part of their their platform, um, and you know that makes sense with the kind of emergence of TikTok, with the emergence of Reels. Um, just in that, um, you know, the really quick, short five videos, people are just are loving that. Um, so I think, in broadly speaking, and, and that's not exactly new because you know video content's been really important for for years, and even you know back to when I was talking about Facebook Live four or five years ago, like it's it's not new. But I think that's that's really big. Um, I think it. The one, the one of the things that I always go back to is with social media, the more things that change, the more things that stay the same. And while there's always going to be, you know, trends and new features, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is engaging content. And, and that is, it doesn't matter if it's an image or a video, if it's interesting, if it's getting people to like, comment, share, save, no matter what it is, no matter what platform it's on, that's always your kind of your golden rule of, of good social media. So um, you know, there's always people say, oh, you know, the algorithm's changed on Facebook. It's really hard to get in front of people, which is what, I, what I've said. But if you're producing good content, people will interact and, and engage with you. And um, that's probably a really good thing about social media. And you've got the numbers in front of you. You can tell, you know, are people liking your posts? Are people commenting? Are they tagging their friends being like, hey, check this out. How good is this? Um, you can kind of see those those things. So while like video might become really important, it's still you know, at the end of the day, it's still that that engaging side, and um, you know, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how how video goes in terms of like long form versus short form as well. Because you know, with with reels, obviously, it's that really short, thirty seconds or less. TikTok, sixty seconds or less um, content, and I think people's attention spans are really short these days. So you know, with with videos, you've only got a couple of seconds to kind of hook people in and grab them. So I definitely think brands are going to get better at that, you know, initial few seconds, hooking people in and then keeping them around for, for longer. But I also think that kind of 10 to 15 second videos are going to be really important because that's sometimes all people want to do there. They don't want to invest a minute, two minutes, five minutes into a video. They just want a quick little video, short and sharp. It's funny. That's interesting. They learn something and they move on to, to the next distraction. So um, you know, that's kind of interesting, but at the same time, I think there is still going to be that push for that, you know, the long form, you know, almost YouTube style content that, um, like YouTube's just massive these days and isn't slowing down. And that's when you kind of, you know, you really invest in a, a 10 minute video and, um, 
So I'm kind of interested to see how that all plays out. But yeah, a bit of a wishy-washy answer went all over the place. Yeah. There. <laughs> no, that's cool. No, like a couple of um, couple of uh, places that I've really enjoyed content, I guess, over the last uh, couple of months have been uh, the Aston Martin Formula One's TikTok stream. They've now got a sponsorship from TikTok and they're, they're producing some really great behind-the-scenes content for some of the team members as well as mm. their drivers. Um, and also Daniel Ricciardo's LinkedIn. I mean, it's not very Daniel Ricciardo-esque, but um, I think that comes off the back of his sponsorship from Optus and uh, he's really giving some insights into mindset um, and so on and so forth. The other side of social media, of course, is that, um, you know, you can get into a trap and uh, develop some shockers and some pitfalls and so on. What advice do you have for our listeners in terms of avoiding uh, pitfalls and um, and shockers and getting yourself into trouble on the platforms. I think it's just always worth remembering that everything you do online can be used against you. So I always think like, what's the worst that someone could take this post? Like, what's the worst angle they could take of this or this comment? Like, could could this be turned into a news article where, um, you know, it's used against me in a way so i'm always trying to be conscious of yeah not being cancelled i guess like you don't want to go you know you want to have your your personality and your opinions but it's always kind of almost thinking worst case in a way um which it is always hard to kind of balance that that line between you know showing your personality and having some fun with it but not going too far um in terms of you know what you're saying and and how you're kind of presenting yourself but always being conscious of that i think is is really important and even like things like direct messages, I think it's worth remembering that can still, even though it's it's private, that could still be a public thing. So, you know, someone is like, and there's a lot of terrible people online, but if someone's trolling um, you online and you go and reply to a direct message, like that message could then become public and be a, a bit of a nightmare. So regardless of where you are, it's always being conscious that, you know, it, it can be, can be used against you. And it's, you know, everything you do online is, is public, whether it's, you know, officially public or, or not. Um, so it's just worth worth keeping that in mind, I think. Yeah. And to wrap up, I mean, you've been great with your time. We're coming up to just over 40 minutes. So we've been going a, a little bit here. Give us a bit of an overview onto the Social Sandwich, which is your current project. Um, where did you come up with the name firstly? Because that's pretty cool. Um, and what does the Social Sandwich actually do? Well, Interestingly, uh, the name actually ties into motorsport, which um, I haven't even realized until just now that um, I was actually having coffee with Kate Peck, who was a uh, the 10 sport um, like color produ- color presenter, I guess. So she'd always be, you know, in the, the Moe lounge at the races and out with the punters and doing those kind of those fun stories from, um, from supercars and, um, you know, for RPM and, and everything. And so, just being around um, around her, we became pretty good friends. And I remember I was having coffee with her one time and talking about her Instagram because I think she has, you know, 20 or 30 or 1,000 followers and she was like, what can I do to be a bit better? And this was back in 2017 and, and I was like, maybe I should, you know, I know a lot about social media. Maybe I should start my own little page and give out some tips. And, and so we were talking and we were at this cafe and I think we ordered, someone ordered a sandwich and then um, she was like, why don't you call it the social sandwich? Because it's like, you know, each layer forms part of the sandwich and, um, you know, it's got that alliteration, which I liked. And I was like, that's a, that's a cool idea. And I went home that night and actually 
reserved all the social media channel names for it, but I, I didn't actually do anything until kind of this time last year when the, so I had those, those accounts for a couple of years, but when the pandemic kind of hit, um, it was probably around May, I think I started to, to focus on it, but you know, I realized that I had this information. I knew a lot about social media. I like to help people. Um, so I was like, I'm going to start an Instagram account. I just give out free tips for people around social media here's what you can do to get better here's some how to use hashtags all of that um and just see how it goes um the part of it was also maybe i can earn some money because at the moment i was like at that stage i was working on um the voice i was working on tv shows but they weren't filming any tv shows because we were locked down and nothing was happening so i was like look i need to i need to make money i'm gonna go broke and be on the street so um yeah decided to start this account and then yeah, slowly kind of built up a, a bit of a, a profile, used, you know, talked to the people that I knew. Um, I think even Julia Morris, like, shared a few of my posts to her page um, to help, you know, build my following. And, and yeah, now I kind of, I work with a whole range of, of different businesses of, um, you know, celebrities in a way, but basically anyone from, a you know, small cafes or hairdressers through to, um, you know, to, to people that are on TV just to, get the most out of their social media game. And, um, you know, I do a whole bunch of different things from, you know, just running sessions um, to upskill people to doing little coaching um, one-on-ones where we go through the profile and be like, right, this is what you're doing well. This isn't what you're doing well. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of, you know, in a nutshell what, I, what I'm kind of doing. So, uh, it's been a, an interesting definitely few, you know, year and a bit kind of learning a lot and, uh, you know, being my own boss, which has been been fun. The you know the the freedom has been has been quite nice, and um, you know it's been a weird year for a lot of people, I think. But I've been lucky that to kind of, I guess, in a way, I almost fell into doing this because I didn't have any work to go to fall back on. So I've been forced to kind of to try it out, and you know, sink or swim almost. And um, and yeah, so like if if anyone is interested, I should do a little plug. But I um, I was getting there. I'm at the social sandwich. Give us a follow. I mean, you don't have to, but um, you know, I I'd like to think that I all of what we talked about today, I, I present on my pages, especially you know, Instagram's a big one for me. But I try and do my you know posts and my my social media in a way that is fun and, and interesting rather than boring and and plain. So um, yeah, I hope that kind of comes across in, in my posts. And I can attest to that. I mean, uh, being part of the Social Sandwich Facebook group, there's quite a, quite an interesting bunch of people there, all from different backgrounds, particularly in sport. And um, so try and find that on Facebook. We'll have the links in the show notes as well. So that way you can uh, hunt down Edwin and uh, perhaps book a session and um, keep him off the streets. But <laughs> That's what it's all about. Yeah, give me a follow and, uh, yeah, like my content because that's what it's all about. And um, Yeah. No, there are some great tips, and um, as he says, he does do one-on-one sessions and so forth. So uh, by all means, uh, uh, check it out. Like, is there an absolute overall wrap-up, I guess, that you could give to the social media side of things? We're kind of coming towards the end, I guess, now. So um, here is a wrap-up or a major outtake for everybody um, with regards to their social platforms. The big thing that I always just go back to is social media should be fun. And a lot of people forget that. And that's the biggest thing that I speak about all the time. At the end of the day, people are using social media as, you know, as an escape, as a distraction and as, as brands, as, as people, we've got to offer some 
content that is fun for people because if it's not fun, if it's not interesting, if it's not engaging, it's not entertaining, you're just not going to cut through and people are going to ignore you and you're just not going to be seen by anyone. So for me, it always comes back to just is your content fun and whether that's just because it's fun because it's interesting, because you're funny, because you're whatever it is that for me, it always just comes back to that. And um, I think when you strip back everything, that's, that's the kind of the number one lesson um, that I have. Fantastic, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Joining us here on the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, Edwin Smith from The Social Sandwich. We'll put all the notes uh, in our show notes. Thanks again, mate. It's been great to have you on board. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. I appreciate, um, appreciate you reaching out. And yeah, hopefully there was a few, a few good things that the listeners can get out of today and can start kicking a few goals on, on social media. Too easy, mate. Well, thanks again to Edwin. There's plenty of great tips there for you guys. The Social Sandwich is offering a discount to Motorsport Coaching Podcast listeners. For $90, Edwin will provide a one-to-one coaching session, including a social media health check. He'll impart some best practices, a content brainstorm, and a Q&A. If you're one of the businesses or celebrities he would normally consult, that'd be $140. So reach out, take advantage, give him some love. The full details of what he's offering are in the show notes. If you haven't filled out the survey in relation to the Motorsport Conference yet, jump onto our Facebook page and fill it out. The program is filling nicely. We're super excited about what the Motorsport Conference is looking like at the moment. Thanks again to Edwin for his time. Keep in touch with us in relation to your racing program and how we might be able to help you, whether it's nutrition, fitness, diet or media. If anyone has a contact at HelloFresh, send this to them and put them in touch with us. Certainly Edwin gave them a good run quite there also a quick shout out to our friends at the extreme karting complex on the gold coast the home of karting's race of stars the guys there have been adult have been dealt a rough hand from the local council which sees 20 people out of work and the venue shut down hopefully only temporarily if you haven't already show your support by joining the support motorsport at pimpamar facebook group and let's get this facility back up and running information in the show notes as well thanks again guys we love the support here's to COVID buggering off so we can enjoy far more blue skies and green racing this year until i'm next in your earballs i'm matt payne and you've been listening to the motorsport coaching podcast powered by motivate training well thanks everyone for listening to this week's show i really hope you enjoyed that one as much as i did now remember all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au if you haven't already i'd really appreciate if you could head to itunes or stitcher type in motorsport coaching subscribe and leave us a review each week i'll read them out and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize if you have any questions or comments please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our facebook page at motivate to t Until next time, take care.